a clean slate, that would be nice, wouldn't it? All the regret, all the missed opportunities, all the words spoken in anger, gone. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just take a big eraser and just just erase all that was. But we all know it's not that easy. It'd be great if we could go up to a chalkboard and write our sins and our mistakes and our failures on a board and then just wipe them away and have them be gone. But perhaps, even though we can't go back and undo what we've said or what we've done, perhaps we could have a different future. And perhaps that future with that clean slate has already been done for us. Well, like Shay said, my name is Melissa Miller and I am the Connect Groups Director here. And this morning it is my honor and privilege to teach our last message in our series, Travel Light. And in this series, we've been learning about how we can let go of all the baggage that we carry with us in life. All of that stuff that weighs us down, that guilt, that remorse, those bad choices. And we just seem to carry them forward with us and when we don't let them go, they prevent us from becoming the people that we wanna be. They prevent us from having the life that we wish we could have. And ultimately they prevent us from becoming who God wants us to be. And so we've talked about how can we let go of distractions? How can we let go of bitterness? How can we let go of control? And this morning we're gonna talk about how we can let go of our past. Because the reality is for all of us seated here today is that we have a past. And that past can either hinder or it can help us. But I think if we were to be completely honest and no one else were listening and we could just say it out loud, we would say that most of the time our past hinders us, that it hurts us that it holds us back, the guilt from the past mistakes, the remorse over bad choices, the out of control spending that has caused us to have a crippling amount of debt. And we can't walk back through this door as much as we'd love to. Some of us would love to open up this door and walk back through and undo things we've said and undo things we've done, but we can't. But we also can't seem to ever like get this door to just shut for good so that we can walk forward. It's as if this door is cracked open just a little bit and there is this bitter, cold winter wind that blasts us in the face. And every time it does, it reminds us of what we've done or perhaps what we, has been done to us. We can't take back the words we spoke in anger. Uh, it was quite a few summers ago I have three children, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I remember this particular summertime. Now, if you're a mom and you have three kids at home all summer, you are literally begging for September 5th most of the time. <laughs> but anyway, so my kids were home, and I don't know what it was, but from the moment they woke up till the moment they went to bed, they were at each other's throats. There didn't seem that there was one day that we could have peace where they could just get along. They were going to strangle each other or I was going to strangle them for each other. And apparently, I said to my children that they ruined the entire summer. <laughs> and I say, funny, I say apparently because I didn't remember saying those words but my oldest daughter, it was like months later, maybe it was the following summer, said, Mom, you told us that we ruined the whole summer. Oh. And I wish that I could say that those are the only hurtful words I've ever said. I would love to walk back through that door and say something encouraging, say something loving, not be remembered. My daughter to remember that her mom told her that I ru she ruined the whole summer. 
Ouch. Ugh. We, maybe we can't uh, shut this door because we keep repeating our past. Some of us, we just keep doing the same things over and over again. We can't break that cycle. We say, we won't, we won't, we won't. I did, I did again. I won't look at that website again. I won't say those hurtful words again. I won't yell at my kids again, right? But that, and that door just stays cracked open. Some of you, maybe you've made some progress, but there's people in your life who won't let you forget what you've done. And that door cracks open and you still feel that bitter wind. But what if, what if there was a way to shut this door for good? What if there was a way to truly have a clean slate? What if we could travel lighter through this life and let go of our past for good? What if on the other side of this door here was a life marked by freedom? And I'm here to tell you this morning that it's possible. And do you know what the best news is? Because this is what we do. We make a mistake, and then we just white-knuckle it the rest of the time. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to yell at my kids again. I'm not going to say this again. I'm not going to look at that again. We just white-knuckle it, and we grin and bear it. We're like, I'm going to pull myself up my bootstraps, and I'm going to work harder. But we all know that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So what if I told you not only could you have a, freed, could have a future marked by freedom, but that it was far easier than white-knuckling it, far easier than just digging in and trying harder. And if it seems too good to be true, it is too good to be true, but make no mistake, it is true. A different future is possible. And I'm gonna give you the bottom line for the whole message this morning, and it is this. We can't change our past, but God can change our future. And I wanna tell you a story to illustrate. So there was a man... And one of the greatest opportunities, he was afforded one of the greatest opportunities that a man who was born in his time and within the culture in which he lived, he was given this opportunity. See, this man was Jewish, and the greatest aspiration for a young Jewish boy at this time would have been to go to school, to be successful in his studies, and then to be chosen by a wise rabbi, which is just the Jewish name for teacher, to apprentice underneath him. But for whatever reason, maybe this boy wasn't afforded the chance to go to school or maybe he just wasn't a great student. He wasn't chosen by anyone. And so he, he did a trade. He apprenticed in a trade. And he would become, and he was, a fisherman. And I'm sure that he probably resigned himself. And that's not like in a negative way. Like, he's just, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. I'm a fisherman. I'm going to work really hard at it. I'm going to do a great job and I'm going to provide for my family. And that's what he did. And I'm sure that gone were the days where he dreamed of being chosen by some teacher to apprentice or to do anything other than what he was doing. Till one day, everything changed. There was a man who was gaining a reputation for being a really wise and powerful rabbi. And one day, this man walks onto the scene of this fisherman's life. And he walks onto the shore and the fisherman had to be, he was washing his nets because he had fished all night long. And it wasn't like a great day. He didn't go catch a lot of fish. And this teacher comes up to me and says, hey, can I go out into your boat? Because there's this great crowd of people and they're coming and they want me to teach them. And so can you let me out in your boat? And so the fisherman says, sure, no problem, get in my boat. And he goes out and he listens to this teacher teach the crowd. 
And after he's done teaching the crowd, he says to the fishermen, hey, you know what? I want you to take your boat out a little bit farther and put your nets down and catch some fish. And the fisherman's thinking, you're a teacher. I'm a fisherman. I've been doing this all night long. I haven't caught a thing. You know, let you stay to your teaching. I'll stay to my trade. We're all good. I'd rather go home, take a hot shower, you know, go home to the wife. But the strange request comes again. Just, just put your net out. And the fisherman says, look, might be disappointed, but because you say so, I'll do it. And he throws the net over the side of the boat. And the story goes that he catches so many fish that his nets begin to tear. And instantly, this man realizes that he is in the presence of no ordinary teacher. Now, some of you may have guessed that the fisherman is a man by the name of Peter and that the teacher was Jesus. And I want to read to you the response that Peter has when he realizes that he is in the boat with no ordinary man. He says this. He says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. But Jesus replied to Peter, he said this. He said, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And the rest of the text goes on to say that when the fishermen, because Peter had to call for backup, there were so many fish, that when Peter and his companions reached the shore, that they left everything and they followed Jesus. Remember when I said that a young Jewish boy's greatest aspiration would be to apprentice under a wise rabbi? Well, Peter, who he thought it was too late, was just chosen by Jesus, God in the flesh, to follow him. And it looked like it wasn't too late after all. You see, for Peter, the door to his past and all that was in it, remember, he's like, go away from me. I am such a sinful man. You don't know, Jesus. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know who I've been. You don't want me. But Jesus said, your past does not disqualify you, Peter. Follow me. And that goes the same for you this morning. Your past does not disqualify you from having a new future. You can't change your past, but God can change your future. He can, and he has before, taken sinful, broken, ordinary people and completely transformed your lives. And some of you here today, you need to hear this. You need to hear that your past does not disqualify you from having a new future. It doesn't matter if you are young or if you are old. It doesn't matter what you have done. You can't change your past, but God can change your future. Your marriage can be healed. The broken relationship with your child, it can be restored. The crippling debt that you've incurred, it can be paid off. You can't walk back through this door and undo what you've done, but God can give you a brand new future. But the question that begs to be asked is how, right? How? Sounds great, right? Sounds great, Melissa. You can stand up there all day long and tell me that I can have a new future. But how? So I'm going to be really super practical. I'm going to give you two hows this morning. 
And the first how is this, it comes in three parts. You ask for, you receive, and you give forgiveness. So we're gonna go back to the story of Peter. Peter followed and learned from Jesus for three years. Peter saw incredible miracles. He saw blind men receive their sight. He saw lame men walk. He saw dead people come back to life. And he wasn't in the movie The Sixth Sense. So, that's the scariest movie I ever saw in my life anyways. <laughs> now that's, that's besides the point. All right, so back to Peter. Peter saw dead men coming back to life. Peter was one of Jesus' closest companions, and he was able to share some of Jesus' most intimate moments. But many of you know that Peter wasn't perfect. Peter and the past that he had, it didn't disqualify him, but it also didn't transform him just by following Jesus because actually one of his biggest failures came after he followed Jesus for three years, after he saw dead people come back to life, after he saw people miraculously healed. And what Peter did is he betrayed his best friend. Peter swore to be Jesus' greatest defender. Peter declared that he would go to death with Jesus. He said he would never let anyone hurt Jesus. But when Jesus was arrested, Peter gave in to fear. And he did exactly what he said he would never do. And some of us know exactly what that's like. We swear we won't ever drink too much again. We swear we'll never use that credit card again. We promise to never look at that website again. We say, I won't ever call him again. I won't ever call her again. We say, I won't, I won't, I won't. I did, I did again. Well, Peter can feel your pain. Because Jesus was dead, and Peter had done the unthinkable. Not only had he not physically defended his friend, his teacher, his master, the one who gave him a second chance at a new life, he denied ever knowing him. And Peter, like us, must have wondered, well, what now? What do I do now? I blew it. Screwed up. It's over. I mean, Jesus, this thing was great, but uh, now I'm certainly disqualified. So Peter went back to his old life. He went back to his way of fishing because what else would he do, right? What else do you do when you blow it? You just go back to what you knew before because I'm never going to change anyway. So Peter just went back. And one day, one day that would be quite reminiscent of a day long ago, Peter was in a boat and he was fishing. And a strange man comes up to shore. And the same request comes out, a strangely familiar one. Hey, throw your nets over. And reluctantly, Peter did. And again, he caught so many fish that the nets were so full. And instantly, Peter's eyes were open, and he realized who that was. And you know what Peter did? He jumped out of the boat. He didn't even gather up the fish. He jumped out of the boat. He did his best Michael Phelps, and he just swam as fast as he could to Jesus. And you know what? It doesn't tell us what Peter did when he reached Jesus, but I can only imagine what I would do. I would fall to my knees, and I would cry out, and I would beg God to forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And though we don't know for sure what Peter did, we know what Jesus said. You see, the men that were fishing with Peter bring in the fish, and they eat breakfast, by the way, with their friend who was dead just a little while before, but now he's alive, and they're eating breakfast together. For those of you who are skeptical of the Christian faith, these are notes that you should take note of. Um, but anyways, so we know what Jesus said. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John. Now, 
This would be the equivalent of saying John's full, uh, saying Peter's full name, Simon, son of John. Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. But I don't know about you, any teenagers or kids in here, when your mother calls you by your full name, what are you thinking? When I say Jack Stephen, and I usually say it just like that. Those who know Jack, they're laughing because they've heard me say that before, right? You know what's coming. When your mama calls out that door and she calls your full name, you go running because she means business. So Peter's probably thinking, uh-oh, here it comes. Here it comes. I know what Jesus is going to say. Peter, you really blew it. Oh, Peter, how could you? Peter, you knew better. But that's not at all what Jesus says. Jesus says this. Do you love me more than these? And I imagine that the these mean the, all the fish that he brought up to shore, and that was a symbol for Peter's life. Peter, do you love me more than you love your own life? And Peter responds, yes, Lord. You know I love you. And a second time, Jesus repeated the question. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. And then Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus asks him, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time it says Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked him the question the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And I believe that in this intimate exchange of words that Jesus was offering complete forgiveness to Peter. And not only was Jesus extending Peter total and complete forgiveness, he was restoring him a new future. Because when he, Jesus said, then feed my sheep, he said it twice. He was giving Peter his new marching orders. He's saying, Peter, you are forgiven. Peter, you are restored. Peter, you are made new. I have something else for you to do. No longer are you going to go back. Don't go back to fishing. That is your past. That is your old life. The sins you committed before, that is the old. I am going to make you brand new. I have a new future for you. Our first step into a new future is to ask for forgiveness. We must come to John. We, or we must come to God. We must have the courage like Peter to run to him despite our sin. I thought about that. Peter recognizes that that's Jesus on the shore. Peter knows what he's done. There is no way that he wasn't so consumed by guilt that he could barely breathe. And he could have just as easily jumped out the other side of the boat and swam into deep water. So many times when we have guilt and shame, we run away from God. But Peter had the courage to run to Jesus. And so must we. So must we, or else we will be stuck in our past, in guilt, in shame. And when Peter reached Jesus, Jesus didn't say what Peter thought he was going to say. How could you, Peter? How dare you, Peter? <sighs> Peter, <sighs> such a screw up. Those are the words we say to ourselves. Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So we must ask for forgiveness. John was a friend of Peter's. John also walked with Peter for three years and with Jesus. John saw the same miracles that Peter saw. He saw blind men receive back their sight. He saw dead people come back to life. 
John actually stood at the foot of the cross when Jesus was being crucified. John, with his very own eyes, watched Jesus die. John walked into the empty tomb three days later, and John also ate fish with Peter on the beach and Jesus that day. And John was so convinced that God forgives everything, that he recorded this for us. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John didn't just write this because he thought it was great. John watched love in action and wrote it so that we could know. What have you done? And what do you need to ask for forgiveness for? The exchange between Peter and Jesus and the forgiveness extended to him is not a made-up fairy tale. It's a living, breathing example recorded in the pages of history so that you could read it for yourself and that you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no sin too big that God can't forgive. So confess your sins to God and then receive it. You have to receive forgiveness. Peter received God's forgiveness, and we have evidence of that as he wrote two books in the New Testament. And you know what? I don't want you to take my word for it. On the back table in the back corner over there, we have Bibles. And we want, if you don't have one or you have one that's in a version that you don't understand, go pick one up and then open up to the second half of the Bible. It's the New Testament. And it records the life, the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And it begins with the Gospels, which is just good news. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where I read the story of Peter talking to Jesus. That's in Luke. And where John, the disciple, he wrote, him, he wrote a book so that we could know for sure. You don't have to take my word for it. Peter's life was transformed, and you can read it for yourself. He wrote two books. It's really easy to find because it's first and second Peter. So you can see that he had a transformed life. But also, too, in the book of Acts, you read an account where Peter in one day leads over 3,000 people to believe in Jesus. Peter received God's forgiveness, and his life was never the same. And in order to close the door to our past, we must also give forgiveness. Some of you may be saying that the reason why you can't move forward is not because of something I did. I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I've received that forgiveness. I do have a new life. But it wasn't something I did. It was something that someone did to me. And that's why I can't shut this door. Because I'm always reminded. And we all know what it's like to be on the receiving end of a wrong, whether it was a hurtful word or it was a betrayal from someone that we love and trust. And if you missed the message on bitterness, can I just encourage you? It was week two of Travel Light, and you can find it anywhere that you get podcasts or you can go to grumlaw.com. Because unforgiveness and bitterness will lock you in your past forever. And it doesn't punish Bitterness and unforgiveness doesn't punish the person who wronged you. It just keeps you locked up. And extending forgiveness does not make what the person did right. It doesn't justify their actions. And it also doesn't mean that you just instantly trust that person again. But if you are holding something against someone else, it will absolutely prevent you from walking into a new future. So if you're dealing with serious hurts and wounds from the past, 
Perhaps the best way to help God allow you to walk through your future would be to get some professional help. And anyone on staff here, you can talk to Shay, you can talk to me after, you can talk to John, our worship leader, or Jason, our strategy pastor. And we will help guide you in the right direction so that you aren't locked in that anymore. So how does God change our future? Well, we ask for, we receive, and we forgive forgiveness. And the second how is this, and I promise it'll be quick, it's surrender. After Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? He said something really peculiar to him. Jesus said this to Peter. He says, Peter, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said, follow me. Jesus told Peter how much it was going to cost him to follow Jesus. And that showing involved a complete surrender of Peter's future. Peter, do you love me no matter what? Peter, do you trust me no matter what happens? But many of us struggle with this because we wonder, what if my future the future that I want is different than the future that God wants. You see, I want kids, but I have none. I want to get married, but I'm almost 30 and I have no prospects. I don't want to be stuck in this situation all the time. What if God, what if God, this unseen God that I can't see, that I can't hear, what if he wants something different? From me? How can I surrender to a God like that? Because it seems scary to surrender to a God we can't see. But what if all the what ifs are preventing us from walking through that door? We say, what if, what if, but what if God is good and he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful? What if the future that he has for you is so much better than any future you could have ever planned for yourself? Just recently, um, my husband and I have been going through a super challenging time, and I actually asked him permission. I'm like, can I share this? Um, we have a good marriage, and he loves me, and I love him, but like all marriages, they're not perfect. And when you have two, you know, independent, real strong people, sometimes it's difficult. And we had some other family pressures that were just really bearing down on us. And I'm not kidding. It was tough. And it wasn't just like a week of tough or two weeks of tough. It was like months of tough. And um, I remember one day I pulled into my garage and I just wasn't ready to get out of the car. And I was, I was sobbing and I just said, God, I'm just tired and I don't know what to say and I don't want to hurt my husband with my words, but it seems like no matter what I say, he's not hearing. And well, no matter what he says, I can't hear. And God, I can't fix this. I can't. I've been trying. I can't fix it. And I heard very clearly, and again, it's not, I've shared this before. I don't hear God like audibly, but it's just this really strong impression upon my heart. And I heard God ask me this question. He said, Melissa, am I enough for you? He said, if everything were to fail, 
if everything that you love were to just fall away, would I be enough? I was like, ouch, hmm, that's a tough question. But in that moment, I thought, what if everything did fail? What if everything did fall away? What if everything I love was gone? Would Jesus be enough? And I sat there and I said, yep. I said, Jesus, you are enough for me. And that's surrender. That's what surrender looks like. God, it's all yours anyway. You can have it. God, my past, my sin, my mistakes, just take them. Just take them. That's what surrender looks like. Surrender is, God, I've really been hurt by others, but I'm just going to give it to you. Help me walk through to a new future. You can literally shut the door to your past. I mean, just like if this door shut, I'd, if it moved, I would slam it shut for you by asking God for forgiveness. Your sins have already been paid for on the cross anyways. Just ask God and then receive it and then give forgiveness and then surrender by just leaving the rest up to God. We can't change our past, but God can change our future.